0: Hey everybody, Dave DeBow here with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Jim, don't try to say that three times too fast. It's confusing. And my special guest today is Jim Pfeiffer. And I'm excited to be talking with Jim. I'm always excited to be talking with our guests, but Jim, I'm really excited about because this is going to be something completely different. Because you see, Jim is coming to this podcast not as an active real estate investor, but as a passive real estate investor. And Jim has a lot of experience investing in real estate passively. So he's kind of like one of the guys we're looking for to invest in our deals. Now, Jim typically invests in bigger deals and syndications and these kind of things. He's been in around real estate for quite some time, in around financials for a heck of a long time. In fact, Jim, correct me if I'm mistaken, but I think you were in the financial services industry for quite some time. Is that correct?
1: Yes, I was a financial advisor. And and prior to that, I was in business finance, you know, my whole career, basically.
0: So you're a number crunching kind of guy.
1: Yes, sir. (laughs)
0: Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Now, here's the cool thing from our perspective, you guys. Jim has invested passively in over 45 different deals in one way or another. So, what I'm really wanting to get out of our conversation here, Jim, aren't all the wonderful deals that you've invested in, but the pain in the ass people that you've invested in, and what some of the biggest mistakes are that you see active investors like us making with our investor partners, people like you what are your your biggest peeves, what are the biggest mistakes you see? what are the biggest challenges? You've had to deal with as a passive investor, or I know you've got a, you know, you do a whole podcast on this, or you know a lot of other passive investors. So is it okay if we just kind of take a dive into the big screw ups people are making?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That
0: sounds great. Awesome. Well, yeah, it'll (laughs) sound great if we can avoid making those screw ups, right, with our investor partners. So, what would you say would be the number one thing that people just screw up when it comes to working with investor partners?
1: You know, in my experience, and in the experience of our community, you know, it's communication. It's poor communication, and a lot of it. You know, as we were talking, it it sounds trivial, right? Someone not responding within a meaningful amount of time, or not responding the correct way. But you know, the for a passive investor, all the work is done upfront, right? I'm very active when I'm screening the sponsor, trying to understand the deal and all that. But once I send in my money. And there's nothing left for me to do except hopefully get reports and get distribution.
0: Now, nothing but, for you to do, but worry about your money, you
1: exactly. know, at, at least initially, right? Yeah. Right. And so communication is the key. And, and one of the things I, I test sponsors and I make sure that before I give them my money, that they are going to respond to me in a meaning, you know, in a, in a certain amount of time. I like to be 24 hours, you know, but if it's longer, I understand if there's a reason, but I like someone to communicate with me. Clearly and in a timely manner. Because, you know, what I say, if you're not going to communicate or respond to an email or a phone call before I give you my money, what are you going to do after you've already had my money? And those are the things that have been most frustrating when dealing with sponsors and deals, especially if a deal goes bad and you have a sponsor who already hasn't been communicating. Well, if they have bad news to communicate, they're certainly not going to tell you. So, the number one thing that bothers me and bothers the, the you know the investors in our community is poor communication
0: or slow
1: communication.
0: Poor or slow communication. Yeah, that makes sense. So what's the converse? What's the other side of that? What does good communication look like to you?
1: It's really just, you know, I we do a lot over email. I might have a question or two and it's just a, a quick response. And you either say, here's the answer to your question, or if you have a team, you know, you reply right away and say, you know, so-and-so will get back to you quickly, or you just say, hey, look, I'm in the middle of a deal right now. I'll get back to you in a couple of days. Just something that the immediate response sets it up so I know that you've read it and I don't have to diary it and worry about following up. And my favorite sponsors are the ones that I know they're gonna get back to me immediately. And the quality of response is also something that, you know, you want a high quality response. You don't wanna just a blow off response. Right,
0: and it, it, to me, it sounds like you're probably a very astute investor. I mean, you've been in the financial industry for for many, many years. So, kind of the level of detail you're looking for might even be greater than than a lot of other people's. Would that be? And it
1: could, yeah, it is at the beginning. So, you know, I have different relationships with different sponsors. So, there's a sponsor that that I use that they send out a deal, and when it comes out, I hardly even look at it, and I just say I'm in. Because I've been in a bunch of deals with them. I know how they communicate. I know what their deals are like. I know, you know, I, I just have experience with them. So I don't need to test them anymore. I don't need to do all that. But when it's a new sponsor, I'm kind of a pain, right? I ask questions. You know, our group, our community is called Left Field Investors. And we have some tools that we use. We have a deal analyzer. And, you know, if I've screened the sponsor and they and I, I'm comfortable with them, and then they send me a deal. You know, I put it in the deal analyzer, and I'm looking for red flags and questions mm. to ask the sponsor. And so what I'll do is I'll send them an email with you know four or five questions, and I'll test them. How quickly do they respond, and do they respond with full information? I had one sponsor who said, "Hey, we just did the webinar. Go look there." And you know that was not acceptable to me. I said, "I want you to answer these questions. Sure, I will watch the webinar, but part of this is, I want to see if you know know the deal like like you should know it. And then once they respond with those answers, every time I will ask additional questions because I want to see are they are they getting tired of my questions? Are they are they still going to answer them? Are we going to have a dialogue about the deal or will they get frustrated and say, you know what, I have other investors who don't ask questions. I'll just go, you know, do business with them. And if Hmm. that's the case, that's fine. But I want you, you know, and I'm not going to do that every deal, but you know, I had a conversation with a sponsor the other day who was very appreciative of my questions and and digging and looking for more information because they wanted to prove that they knew their deal. And that's the kind of person or sponsor entity that I want to invest with.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, when we were talking off camera, another thing that that you mentioned that gets under your craw is people over promising or some of these red flags that you see in when you're doing your due diligence. So what are some of the things that you've seen that have turned you off of deals?
1: Really, it's, you know, if the, the rent growth is too high in year one is a great example, right? If you say you're going to get 8% rent growth, that's not happening in year one, right? All the leases go off at different times. It's, it's not even possible. So just be realistic. If you think the market is, you know, can get you 8%, that's fine, but that's not going to be from day one when you, you buy the property. So things like that or understating vacancy. There's a lot of metrics that we look at to make sure that, you know, it all looks normal. And then the, the over-promising part is also in returns, right? Not just the amount of returns, but the timing. If you say, you know, this deal is going to, you're going to start sending out distributions six months after the uh, investment, then send them out. And if you don't, this is the big part. If you don't, contact us and say, here's why, right? I'm okay with bad news. If you say, look, we just, we couldn't get there after six months. We had these, these issues. If you explain them to me and they make sense, Fine. This is a risky business. I understand that everything isn't going to go exactly to pro forma. But mm-hmm. if you promise something, you either need to deliver it or you need to explain why you didn't.
0: Well, and it gets back to that communication thing, right? It's it's absolutely. not it's it's easy and fun to communicate good news. It's sucky <laughs> not as yeah. much fun, that's for sure to communicate bad news. But what you're saying, which is absolutely true is even more important to communicate more when it is bad news. Not stick I know a lot of people have the tendency to kind of want to stick their head in the sand, the ostrich thing, and, and pretend nothing bad's happening in the middle of bad news. But uh, that's the worst thing you can do,
1: right? Right. And it doesn't even have to be that the deal went bad or anything bad is happening. There's plenty of times when you say, hey, we usually try to get distributions out in six months and something happens, a pandemic or you know things that are out of your control. So whether it's in your control or out of your control, it's not going away. If you say six months and it doesn't come at six months, you can't just ignore me and think I'm going to be okay that it's three months late.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. But if
1: you explain it to me and you're up front, and then after four months, you say, hey, you know how we said it was going to be six months. It's not going to be six months. Okay, now I'm prepared. Now I'm not waiting for that bank deposit at six months. I know what's happening. It's just be clear and communicate efficiently. And and even the, the bad news, I, you know, investors can deal with.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So talk to me a little bit about responsibility and excuses that sometimes you hear from sponsors.
1: Well, you know, the the pandemic was a great time for excuses, right? So I had several deals that the uh, sponsors stopped paying distributions in January or February of 2020. And when we got, you know, when I was starting to communicate with them in March, April, asking them what was going on, you know, they said, oh, pandemic. but. Mm -hmm you stopped paying distributions before the pandemic. So, yeah. you know, again, it all goes back to what I said before. If, if things are going South, just be clear and communicate it. it take responsibility and say, yeah, you know what, this, this isn't just the pandemic's going to make things worse for sure. But you know, things were going South before that you're right. You can't hide behind something. You just have to be honest. And if you're not going to be honest and accept responsibility for your mistakes or the deals that aren't working out as well, then you know, I'm not going to give you credit if a deal goes great, because if you're not willing to take responsibility for the bad deals, you don't get credit for the good ones, right? Then it, then it's all luck. And if it's all luck, I'm not investing with you. Mm-hmm. So it all comes back really to communication, the responsibility, don't overpromise, but really just let us know what's happening. There's a deal where someone, you know, the guy said it would be paying out two years ago. And it's like pulling teeth to get this guy to respond to me. I have to call him, send emails, call other people in his business. And he just ignores it. But he, I know he has email because he keeps sending out these, you know, his blog about how great, you know, the, the economy is or this is or whatever. But his deal is horrible. It hasn't mm. done anything like he said it would. And he does not respond. And that I will never invest with him again. And, you know, anyone in my community who asks me about him, you know, will say, look, I wouldn't invest with these guys because they just poor communication. Yeah. And it, like I said, it sounds like a small thing, but it's everything
0: that's a fascinating idea. Hold that thought for a second. Hi there. This is Dave DeBoe, and real estate investors hire me to raise capital the right way. Why? Because most of them are stuck with too small of a portfolio and they don't know how to attract investors and raise money for their deals. So I help them to connect, capture, and close their ideal money partners. Bottom line, when you've got a deal, you're going to have the capital to do it. So go ahead and book a no-cost capital clarity session with me at bookachatwithdave.com. Again, that's bookachatwithdave.com. So, Jim, let me ask you this. Have you been involved in a deal where the sponsor has screwed something up, right? They, they messed up. They made a mistake. They did a good job with the communication, letting you know what, what was going on there. What do you expect somebody to do under that situation? Like, like, yeah, we talk about the importance of communication, taking responsibility. Uh, What are you looking for in those kind
1: of negative communications? Like there's a good example that I had last year or this year, actually with K ones, I had, Two my last two K ones to come in from deals. So just remind people what K ones are, please. Okay, sorry. So a K one is the the tax document you get from the LLC that owns the property. It passes through the taxes to you personally or however you invest. So you know they have to produce them hopefully by March fifteenth, March thirty first, and they should be to you well well before April fifteenth, so you can file your taxes. Got it. Um, you can't file your taxes without these K ones. So. They were late. And you know, this year the pandemic, everything threw everything off. So I was okay with that. But one person sent me an email every week saying, here's what we're working on. Our accountants have it. Here's what's going on. You know, we're going to fire the accountant, but we can't do it yet because they're almost done. You know, yeah. they they told the story. And I didn't have to follow up with them because every week I got an email saying, here's what's going on. And it was sent to everybody, right? Mm-hmm. So they acknowledged the problem, they understood it, and they talked to us about it the other person i had to follow up every week what's going on with k1s and and they just kind of ignored it or said oh yeah they're coming don't worry about it they'll be there or you don't need one or you know they came up with all these excuses and you know i really like that sponsor but now i'm very hesitant to get into any new deals now we had a conversation after the fact after i got all the k1s after the the rush of everything was done and i said this isn't acceptable you know i really like how you operate except for these issues and and so since then he's hired additional staff. He's fired the accountants. He's got new accountants. So, you know, I'm giving him another chance, but it would have been so much better had he upfront done what the other guy did, which was acknowledge the mistake. We're working through it and just keep communicating. It's really just keep communicating. It's a lot of money that we're investing with you. And, you know, you should be open to telling us what the status of the deal is.
0: Yeah, for sure. Sounds like Sounds like really for, for you. And now would you say these are common challenges you've seen other passive investors facing as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We have a um at Left Field Investors, we have a forum where people can go in and, and just, you know, talk about sponsors or deals or issues. And that's the biggest, really one of the biggest things we talk about is this sponsor we like because they're up front and communicating. And this one, you know, not so much. And when you're there's so many sponsors out there. That if, if I send you an email or give you a phone call and you don't respond, I'm just going to move on. You're not the only one out there. There's other people mm-hmm. that do just as good a job as you do, and they want my money just like you do. And if they're going you know, to you respond there, because really, when you think about it, there's no way for me to check on my deal, right? Once I give you the money, it's three, five, maybe even 10 years before I get the capital back and, ha- and the deal closes. So there's no other product that you're sending me other than distributions and communication. So, and the distribution is a communication also. So if you don't get that right, then what are you doing? You're not going to get my money a second time. And as a sponsor, I think you need to realize it's not the first time that you want me to invest. It's the second and third. And then you want me to go to my community and say how great you are. And now, you know, we have sponsors who've, who have, 10, 15, 20 different investors from our group that are in three, four, five deals. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Those are the ones that everybody says, wow, they send distributions on time. They send reports on time. They communicate well. If you ask them a question, they answer it. Especially for someone new who just did their first you know, deal and sent someone 50 grand and then crickets, they don't hear from them in months. They're not going to invest with you again. So yeah. it's all about, you know, if you want repeat business, you're going to have to be upstanding and honest with your communications
0: and regular
1: <laughs> and regular. Absolutely.
0: Okay. Let's say, let's think. let's say things are, are chugging along all right with, with a deal, like everything's miraculously going according to plan. What kind of communications are you expecting and looking for and hoping for from a sponsor from a, the, the deal maker?
1: Yeah, just, a you know, a, some send it monthly, some send it court, qu- send it quarterly, but just, a. You know, a couple paragraphs on how that, how, how is it going? Is it, you said you were going to do, you know, pave the parking lots. Have you done that? You said you're going to change monument signs. Did you do that? Are you getting rent increases? All that kind of stuff. Just a brief summary. I don't need a whole bunch. I'm not going to dig into it. And you know, the, if you're sending me the distributions that you said you would, then I don't need as much information, right? If everything is going according to plan and I'm getting that, you know, distribution every month, then I'm curious, but I'm not as curious if I'm not getting the distributions or they're late or they're not the same every time, then you need to communicate that, right? If you haven't sent out distributions in your summary, you need to say, okay, we're still on track for distributions in August of 2021 or whatever it is, right? So again, it really just, it all keeps coming back to communicating.
0: And whatever the expectation was and the the agreement was upfront, right? Because, you know, if... And different investors have different thresholds of how much communication they want. It it sounds like you're very front-end focused, right? You want to make sure that the deal set up right the first place in the first place and everything's hunky-dory and that you've vetted your your sponsor up front. And then if things are going according to plan, you're getting distributions on a regular basis, then you don't need as much communication. It's whatever you guys agreed upon at the beginning. So if it's quarterly reports, great. If it's monthly little updates great whatever that is make sure you you live up to it
1: yeah that's absolutely correct like i said i don't really need a whole bunch of reports if you're paying out like you said you would but i still like at least every quarter for you to say hey you know the property's still standing we're still doing well you know
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's nice yeah maybe a little picture yourself to the b-side in front of the in front of the property yeah that sounds great jim have you just out of curiosity? I know you've invested in a lot of syndications and whatnot. Have you ever invested in any in any smaller deals, like with individual investors, like single-family home type stuff or really smaller type properties before?
1: Yeah, I was an active investor before I did the passive stuff. So I owned, you know, single-family turnkey properties. I owned some four, an, a four-unit, an eight-unit, a twenty-two-unit, and and I did all those on my own. But now I, you know, since I have some contacts from the active side, I'm still always up for partnering with someone, you know, a smaller operator. But it's got to be somebody I know, you know, no like and trust. And also, I don't want to be active. I'm right. fine to provide some of the capital, but I don't want to manage the property at all. I did that. I didn't like it. Not well, that's my why strength. You're a passive
0: investor, right? That's- exactly.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so I'll, I'll be passive, but I'm, I'm open to any any kind of deals. No,
0: no. I'm just I'm just curious. Is there so what recommendations would you have, if any, anything different, would there be any different recommendations for smaller operators versus you know, sponsors per se? Like, like a, a smaller operator, let's say you're doing a long-term buy and hold type deal with somebody doing single family homes and you're the, the money partner in that deal. Any different advice, any nuances that you would give for those smaller
1: operators? I think I would want more information more frequently because mm-hmm. you know they're probably not as professional, meaning they don't have all of the systems in place. They probably don't have all of the staff. They're smaller, right? So I'm going to want to make sure that they know what they're doing and make sure that the the project is, is going according to plan. So in there, I, I would probably be less passive while the deal is going on, not meaning I would want to manage stuff, but I would want more frequent reports because presumably you know it's a smaller deal so for me to do it i would probably have a bigger chunk of the overall you know deal so w- if i'm a normal sponsor professional sponsor you know i might be half a percent of the deal but if i'm doing it just with one you know a smaller person i might be half of the deal
0: yeah you're 50% and, of it yeah. and so
1: then i'm i'm certainly going to want more information as the deal is progressing more updates and it's easier that way because i can also just you know it's a closer relationship most likely because there's fewer investors so, it should be easier just to get on the phone and say, Hey, how's the property going? And, and then, you know, I might also offer some advice or input where, you know, on the, the major syndications, I, I don't offer that and they don't want that. They don't want, they, they don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm fine with it. I'm fine with that.
0: Awesome, Jim. Well, this has been fantastic. I really, really appreciate your insights from the other side of the table as a passive investor yourself. And if people want to find out more about your podcast and your
1: community, what should they do? Well, our podcast is called Passive Investing from Left Field. And our group is called Left Field Investors. So you can go to leftfieldinvestors.com and uh, sign up to subscribe and you'll get the information about our podcast and everything else that we have. If you want to contact me directly, my email address is Jim at leftfieldinvestors.com. And I'm happy to talk to, you know, active investor sponsors if if they want to hear my side of things. And I'm always looking for uh passive investors who want to be part of our community.
0: Very, very cool. Where does the name come from? Left field investor.
1: Well, it's funny. So we were looking for a name. And when I was a financial advisor, all of my colleagues would think I was way out in left field because I was investing in alternative investments. And that term drives me crazy because it's the place you live. It's the place you you know go yeah, to really buy stuff. is an
0: alternative, alternative yeah. investment. Huh?
1: Yeah. yeah. So they always thought I was out in left field. So that's, that's how we came up with the name. Nice. I like it. I like it. Jim,
0: thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. My pleasure. All right, everybody, take care. We'll see you on the next episode. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book,